0: Here's where the fun
2: begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world.
0: The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the void be
1: willing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Twin Sons Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Amanda DeFonso. Hey. And Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. For the month of June, we had a brand new book released earlier in the month, Queen's Peril, by E.K. Johnston, which is actually a sequel novel to her previous book about Padme, Queen's Shadow. This was a pretty decent book. I I, I liked it a lot. I, I liked learning a lot more about Padme and her handmaidens and seeing how everything kind of fit together and wove together with episode one. And I don't know about you guys, but to be honest, I was not actually expecting the book to overlap and conclude episode one.
0: I had no idea they were going to do that. I thought this was going to be like her first couple months as queen, Prior to episode one, so when it started crossing over, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. We get a Darth
2: Maul (laughs) chapter? This is awesome! I (laughs) I felt like we were just gonna like lead up and then like stop when the Trade Federation invaded, you know? Like, I felt like that was going to be like, and we know what happens from here on out. But we didn't, so I'm glad that that's not where we stopped. (laughs) I feel like it
0: was so much better. Like, I think I need to go watch episode one tonight after that (laughs) because it makes it,
2: like, a gajillion times cooler. Yeah. I know, just just looking at like each of the handmaidens faces now. And like, I sat and spent like all this time on just like Google image, image searching to try to like match. Mm-hmm. There's people who have like already done it, who have like matched which one each one is. I mean, Erte is blonde, so she's the easiest one. But like, <laughs> now that like, I know all of them, I feel like it just makes every scene with them more, like you have all this backstory to people that you, that are just supposed to be hidden in the background. And I love it. Yeah. Because now these are some of my favorite characters and they're like like just there in the movies. Yeah. (laughs) But I love them.
0: I love Sasha.
2: Me too. She makes
0: me happy.
1: (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about each of them. But typically what we do when we do these novels and these reviews is we essentially talk about all the new characters first. Because everybody knows, you know, Hera. Everybody knows Anakin. Everyone knows Obi-Wan. We know Thrawn. But then you have these other newer characters that are kind of brought into the novels. Now, basically, all the major characters, anyway, are not new. We got them in Queen's Shadow, and we're getting them, again, getting to learn a little bit more about them here in Queen's Peril. So, obviously, we're not going to be talking about new characters, because there weren't too many, there weren't any major ones, really. Um, But I want to focus a lot on the Handmaidens and a lot on Padme herself. Now with Queen's Shadow like kind of like you guys were talking about the Queen's Peril really makes us into episode one even more because we get all the backstories Queen's Shadow did that with like the Clone Wars in episode 2 and so we'll talk a little bit more about how our how reading this book changed our view on not only episode 1 but also the book that comes after this Queen's Shadow um, and we don't get too many of the like episode one like the Queen's, Handmaidens in the first one, or in Queen's Shadow. Um, but that's one thing that they really kind of talk about and emphasize in this one. And I find it really cool that Panaka was the one that actually recruited all the handmaidens. He went to each one, kind of one by one, to kind of interview them and see if they were right for the job. And they all each had their own little kind of subchapters, uh, beginning with Sabe, called Strength. So let's talk about Sabe for a little bit. What did you guys think of E.K.'s um, sort of expanding on Sabe's character?
2: Loved it. (laughs) Me too. I love that she was like the first one and that she, you know, helped Padme so much with developing so much of what Amidala became, like right from the beginning, and it makes... It just makes them being the double so much more sense because they got all that extra you know bonding time, and they obviously look the most similar. But I thought it was really cool that we got, you know all of that beginning stages of like devising their plans on how the handmaidens and and the du- the doubles would work, their little conspiracy, if you will, before the others got there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really loved. How much of um, Sabe's actual personality we we got to see shine through this. And not just, I mean, in Queen's Shadow, she was still, she was very prominent. The most prominent, I would say, um, out of the Handmaidens in that book. But it was more of like a survival mode Sabe. And this was a lot more of getting to know her and how she became who she ended up being in Queen's Shadow.
1: Yeah. I think how, I mean, obviously everyone is their own worst critic, right? I mean, you hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think with Sabe, one thing that really stood out to her with me is how she overcame her issues with Padme after their, they had their debacle at the, uh, the little concert thing. And I mean, granted, when you get put into a situation that's really dire, you know, your planet is literally getting invaded and people are fearing for their lives. You know, you you do what you can to help each other and do what you can to help the queen, obviously, in that situation. But just hearing Sabe's thoughts about when Padme stepped in front of her at the end, you know, talking to the Gungans and she feels like she failed because she didn't do it right you know, and Padme feels like she failed Sabe because she should have, you know, not scripted everything. And I just loved how Sabe was able to kind of overcome all the issues that she and Padme had, kind of, um, you know, mature a little bit in that instance, and Mm -hmm. get to the point where, you know what, I know what my duty is, and I'm gonna do whatever I can, you know, my hands are yours.
0: Yeah. And she even got to the point of overcoming her feeling of being second so much that she convinced the Nimoyans that she was the queen and more than did her job drawing them away from Padme so that Padme could reclaim the throne room.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I love seeing the other side mm-hmm. of all those moments. It's, yeah. it's so cool.
1: All right, let's move on now. Sabé was the 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 biggest one, I feel like, um, and she's sort of Padmé's like second in command. I feel like you know she's she's there to to sort of uh, keep keep everything together. Um, she has the abilities to do all the jobs of the other ones, all the other handmaidens, you know. And she's she was Padmé's first handmaiden that she met. But let's move on to Rabe. Now Rabe, her chapter was called Cunning. And she is very good at deceit, and she was there to help Padme kind of hide in plain sight. Now, to me, Rabe was the one that i was I was reading these like secondary chapters. I was like, "hmm, she's cool." Like she just based off of how Panaka came to you know recruit her, she was like, you know, deceiving all of these off worlders by selling them fake you know, art pieces and stuff. And I was like, she's <laughs> smart. Like, that's pretty cool. I mean, not that I, I would do that, but she's, she stood out to me as, as one of my oh, favorites. Yeah. I
2: like She's that like, she... sorry. <laughs> Who talks first? So was... I talk first? I talk first. I know. That's what I think of every time. <laughs> like, um, she reminds me of like how sometimes you always hear those stories of like the CIA hiring hackers to like work on cybersecurity Like, that's Rabe for the handmaidens, almost.
0: (laughs) I really liked how when they were sneaking out of the palace, that she's just like, yeah, how do you think that I made all those counterfeit art pieces? I had to go in and study them when people weren't there. Duh. (laughs) Not only can I counterfeit art, but I can also break and enter pretty effectively. So... (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, she definitely saves Padme's life later on with her uh, lock picking skills.
1: <laughs> but I'm gonna, i to I want a rob a shirt, I think.
2: <laughs> I know. She's so cool and like through her too we kind of got to see like Panaka's dark side a little bit cuz he thought he could control Padme through, or I don't know if he thought he could control Padme as much, but he thought he was going to be able to, like, get inside information by controlling Rabe. hmm Like, he the... was gonna, like, like yeah, he wasn't gonna tell Padme that she was, like, a criminal, basically, and he was gonna hold that over her head, but she just, like, owned it and, like, got rid of that, like, right from the get-go. Yep. But I thought that was a very interesting side to Panaka that I kind of wasn't expecting to get.
0: I think it makes sense, though. I mean, he ends up being part of the Empire and the pretty high-ranking yeah. Empire official, so... I mean, no, it, it definitely wasn't. makes
2: sense.
1: Yeah. All right, let's move on to Yane, and her subchapter was Bravery. And Yane, she becomes the uh, liaison with the palace staff, and so she is, um, you know, we get her a little bit more in uh, Queen's Shadow as well. Um, but what really stood out to me as far as Yane is obviously her and Sache have a relationship or they they at least kind of uh, express their feelings for each other, you know, mm-hmm. um, which was cool to see. And obviously Sache being the younger one, you know, that kind of puts uh, like a... At least to me, it seemed like it seemed like there's a romantic part of that, but it also seemed like she was there to help help sache like almost be nurtured a little bit um just because she like gave her a hug and after everything that happened with sache's like interrogation, she was very she had a lot of empathy, you know,
0: yeah, I think it yeah painful for her to see her friend in such discomfort but she also respected her agency in that situation and you know was like we we aren't going to make this decision for her because right now she's giving everything she's got for this cause and as painful as it is for us to hear it she's doing what she feels is best for her so and for everyone really
2: Yeah, I really loved that moment. And sorry if you hear a lot of uh, thunder and rain behind me because it is storming um, right now in my area. But um, I loved that moment with Sasha and Yane. I do think there is, like, a romantic um, aspect to their relationship just because it makes sense as to why they didn't want to, like, share a room Mm -hmm. or, like, had this, like, weird thing about them from the beginning that you're like, what is this? Why do you guys, like, seem like you hate each other? But it's just, like... I think Sasha says it, like, she wanted to be professional, and she didn't want that to be part of being handmaiden. So I thought that was really cool that they, like, also sacrificed, like, that part of themselves for Padme.
0: Yeah, but they mention in um, Queen's Shadow, when they are all at the lake house, when they're on their little vacation um, at the start of the book, that Sache and Yane were sitting together and one of them was visibly blushing. And so they did allude in the first book, actually, to that there was a romantic relationship. But that it was, you know, only for off work time.
1: <laughs> it yeah. seemed to me like the 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 standoffishness was mostly on Sache's part.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, she was the one that didn't want to share a room. She refused to share a room with Yane.
0: I think because she, I mean, she was what? 12? She's a, Yeah, she's she the youngest one. She was the youngest 12. one. Right, these that's were true. the first times that she was experiencing these feelings perhaps and she had said that she wanted to keep things professional for Padme's sake but that she had these feelings so I think that it was just, you know, she didn't want to get herself into a situation of having all of these emotions and feeling that she could not do her job and... You know, be truthful with her emotions,
2: right? Because obviously, these girls are like way more mature than any of us were when we were like thirteen yeah. and fourteen. Seriously, but I'm like, like could you imagine like being that young? Like that becomes like a new feeling, and you now you're like, oh, I have to sleep next to these people. Like, I, could you mm-hmm. imagine? Like, I don't think I could imagine like having a sleepover with like a boy in. And- 12 like when i was 12 or 13 like and that would one be that like I liked. too much for my little brain yeah and then <laughs> that i have to work with too that would have no right. my
0: brain couldn't have handled any of that ever
2: Right, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense
0: yeah
1: all right let's go on to our next handmaiden Irte. now Irte was her chapter was called distraction and she essentially worked with the communications and she was like almost like the tech person she was recruited by Panaka after she had built sort of like the set for a play and she had some really good ideas and some ideas i think it was her idea right was it her idea for the blasters in the throne or was that padme's I don't know, yeah, but... It was I think it Panakas. Was, was it Panakas? I thought
2: it was Panakas, Pino- yeah, but then I think Yane just made it, or... Irritae. Sorry, Irita just made it, like, so that it didn't, like, it hurt the integrity of the throne, I think it was, is what it was. Yeah.
0: She didn't want Padme. to dismantle um, something that was, like, a historical piece of furniture.
1: And then I think Padme right. was like, eh, let's throw two blasters in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: That's for good
1: measure. Yeah. <laughs> So what did you guys think of your time
0: I thought she was awesome. And I love that in her chapter, as soon as the, um, I think it was like the fifth singer stepped onto the platform, she was like, nope, nope. I told them four. That is too many. Absolutely not. And Bunch then of idiots. boom. And she was like, that was not <laughs> yeah. my fault. It was not my fault. I told them no more than four. They're morons. No, thank you. <laughs> And I was like, you go, don't apologize. You, you built it to withstand a certain amount. Like, that's not your fault. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to go down for people being stupid either.
2: Yeah. I thought so. it was interesting that she, wasn't she the only one that didn't want, like, she was like kind of hesitant about the idea of like giving up her name.
0: Yes. Cause she wanted her name tied to her work. She's like, that's the name that's going to make me famous.
2: <laughs> right. She's in the theater. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we got one more handmaiden that we have not discussed. The lowly page. I think they referred to it as that. The Yes, the lowly page. The youngest of the handmaidens, Sashay. And we talked about her a little bit, but she was kind of the one that uh, I felt bad for her a lot. You know, she got a lot of the, the bad... Bad luck, I feel like, <laughs> in this book. Um, her chapter was called Determination. It was interesting, too, right? Because her chapter actually takes place while Panaka is trying to get to Irte, right? Because she was at the yep. front of the play, and then she told him to come back later to see mm-hmm. her. So, but she, I mean, she's awesome. She's She is one of the toughest ones, I feel like, out of anybody... You know, we we constantly hear about Sabe's like, oh, this this makeup is itchy. This, <laughs> you know, I can't wait to get out of the ro- of these this outfit. And here we have Sache literally being tortured for three hours. You know, yeah. And she doesn't even say anything. Like I think Sabe made a made a uh, a comment at the end of the chapter after or at the end of the book while they're all kind of getting ready for the battle of Naboo how they notice her scarring and her burns, but she refuses to talk about them, you know? Yeah. So she is the toughest one, in my opinion.
0: Well, and not only does she get tortured, but after she gets tortured, she is right back to business as usual, and she's like, no, I need to right. keep walking around because there are still missions to be had, and we need to deliver these messages. I won't carry any, but they'll think I will. So they're yeah. going to be looking at me. So I, she was my favorite
1: I think. Really? Yep.
2: I love her too. I, I'll just say the audiobook like really did a great job of like adding to the drama of that torture scene because they have her like screaming in the background. Like, like, you know how like the audiobooks actually have sound effects and stuff. Like it's just her screaming, like while they're like talking about, you know, uh, Yane, like listening to it. So I was like, yeah, it's like, a, it was like a knife, like every <laughs> time it was hor, It was horrible, but it, it like really, I love the audiobooks. I love all of those sound effects, but that was like tough.
1: tough and to, to think to. about Yane listening to it. Like they, they got yep. close enough to the tent or whatever. And then they're like, no, we have to let her handle this, you know, mm-hmm. which was, you know, really strong in itself to make a decision like that. So
0: yeah. And especially regarding the youngest one in your group who is bearing all of this pressure and pain to save her people. Yep. You know?
1: So I think, obviously, you know, the handmaidens, you get a lot on the handmaidens in this Mm -hmm. book. And I think kind of like what we said at the beginning, you know, it makes you appreciate episode one even more. And it makes you appreciate... Everything has a function, everything has a purpose, you know, even code words, and we'll talk about that here shortly. But going back to Yane and her bad luck, I feel like now's the time to kind of talk about something that it seemed like you guys were more excited to talk about (laughs) than actually the story uh, that we got in this book, but um, the periods. So periods uh, were brought up on multiple occasions. In this book, and I I have to admit, I've been reading Star Wars books for a long time. And, you know, from the ones that I've read, this has not been something that I've ever read about in a Star Wars book. (laughs) But you guys seem pretty excited to talk about it. So, what did you guys want to say about the periods?
0: Man, I am so stoked that they put periods in Star Wars books. I know. I was so happy.
2: So was I, like, honestly, it just feels so validating. I don't know if that's the right word, but just like, it's, it's something that is so like, Oh, don't talk about it. But it's like, we literally have to deal with that like all the time and (laughs) And it's not fun. (laughs) And like, I I love that. They talked about how like even Padme, like queen of Naboo was like crippled with cramps and uh, you know perform her queenly duties for like a whole morning because we've been there yep. we've all been there yeah and well, not like, it's haven't. not like <laughs> well women with periods have been there <laughs> and it's just like there it's just such an important thing for not only like women and, and young girls to read and hear that it's normal. You know, just, like, a normal thing that we all deal with and to not be, like... There's, like, a sense of, like, shame, especially when you're that young. Like, mm-hmm. like when, you know, we get Sashay, like, so embarrassed because Panaka is a fool. Like, a fool. Like, who puts to a, put blood a blood sensor, sensor in a woman's in- room? What right. kind of idiot does that? Right, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, no, no. You why? are a special lie.
0: kind of stupid.
2: <laughs> yep, like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But like the, she comes out and she's like so embarrassed. And it's like, if it was something that we just didn't make a weird thing, because it's like our, right? it's just a part of women's bodies. That's just like how we work. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. like, it wouldn't be weird to come across in story. And I feel like story has such a huge role in desensitizing, you know, the public yeah. to a variety of issues. And this is just like a big, um, Part of women's lives that's never talked about. And it comes to the extent where, you know, you have people, you know, in power making, you know, decisions and laws about women's bodies. And and sometimes you, you listen to, you know, what's being discussed and it's clear that they have don't no know how idea it works. what the period is. <laughs> or, yeah, that they just don't know how our bodies work whatsoever. So yeah. if we like make it a thing and it's like, As normal as it is to us, as it is to the rest of the world, like it won't be such like a confusing and like baffling issue to, you know. I
0: don't think it should be such a taboo (laughs) subject. And also can I say that I really loved Sasha's embarrassing first, I think it was probably her first period story Mm -hmm. because I read that and I was like, oh my gosh this makes me feel so much better about every inconvenient period I've ever had in my life. And every time I felt right. like betrayed by my own body, basically. Right. <laughs> this it's is just so amazing.
2: relatable <laughs> because it's, it's like, yeah, it's so relatable, especially when you think back to how you were, when you're their age, mm-hmm. like, and this is a young adults novel. It's going to be in the young adults novel section. When you go to Barnes and Noble, like, you know, those are, that's the target audience. So I just think it's so important for young women to have that, representation um in what they read and it's important for young men too because it's just normalize it it's just yeah it's our it's the human body and you should probably know how it works even if you don't got one
0: this is what happens (laughs) don't make it embarrassing or weird for girls when it does happen because guess what it's gonna keep happening and someday you're gonna have a wife and it's gonna happen to her so just make it normal
2: right because it is is. i loved it (laughs) it's just so it's so important. I'm sorry, yeah. but it was. I'm not sorry, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I apologize.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll stop talking about the pink <laughs> stuff. Moving on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My whole thing, and I obviously, I'm a dude, mm-hmm. and I don't have a lot to say on this, just because it's just not something that I have to deal with as a man. Um, but... <laughs> I do think that, it, well, first of all, it was unexpected for me to read about it. Not saying that it shouldn't have been put in the book, because I do think, kind of like you guys were saying, you know, if the Queen of Naboo gets periods, then I think, you know, as young readers, I think it's important to realize that, okay, this happens to everybody and this person rules a planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So I do think that that is, that is good. Now, the Sache one was a little bit strange for me, only because... Like it seemed like they made it like comical and it could have just been the way that I was reading it. But the beginning of that chapter, and this is how I read it in my head, was like (laughs) Captain Panaka and his wife finally got to sit down to enjoy a meal together before Mariek had to go off to her next shift. And this doesn't happen very much. They don't get to see each other. And it was finally time to share a meal Oh my gosh, an alarm's going off in the queen's bedroom! It's the blood sensor! Let's grab our blasters and go in there! <laughs> and then it's like, Sache having a period. <laughs> it's
0: like, and Mario's oh like, you need to go someplace else like, here, because yeah. you're an idiot.
1: So to me, it seemed <laughs> <Like, laughs> kind of comical. It was like the second time they brought up periods. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, but... But it
0: happens so often to us that we get that super embarrassing inconvenient period that just like So relatable. Makes us feel like we're dying on the inside and probably on the outside because everyone knows what's happening and it's the worst. And this book was just like, Yup
2: Normalize. (laughs) Normalize it. If it was normalized, Panaka wouldn't have done that in the first place. He would have been
0: smart (laughs) enough. I think that any grown man with a wife should be smart enough not to put that in a woman's room but you know that's just me
1: (laughs) well I think I think E.K. Johnson does a good job of showing you know obviously like you said Jesse this is a book for young readers it's a YA novel and I think even with you know sneaking out and deceiving Panaka and Mm -hmm. deceiving the royal security and going to that concert I mean I feel like a lot of A lot of, um, you know, young women and young people of any gender can, you know, relate to that because you sneak out of your parents' house and go hang out with your friends. And that's essentially (laughs) what Padme and her handmaidens did. You know, they snuck out and went to a concert. (laughs) They sure did.
2: And there's always something that happens. I don't know if anyone else had this issue, but I could never get away with anything like that. Like, my mom always knew. She would just, like, look at me. And she would know. So, like, I really felt it when Padme got all that glitter all over her. And we were like, that's it, girl. They're going to know. Like, this is the end. This is where you go wrong. We'll
0: always find out. It's okay. (laughs) And I love that they used a freaking grappling hook. (laughs) I know. These girls are wild.
2: I just love all the unconventional ways that they prepared themselves for, you know, all the things that have happened in episode one and even some of what happened in episode two with Padme and and her hairpins, saving her life on Geonosis. Like I just love that they like took all those things like and thought E.K. Johnson thought to herself, like, how did they learn to do this? Like, and like made story for it. I just love it.
1: So one thing that I really liked about this book too, and you know, in, in last month, We did the rise of skywalker novelization and that was the first novelization that i had ever read because uh, if you heard our podcast before if i'm going to read a book on star wars i want to read a brand new story that i don't know about that's not you know depicted in a film um but i really enjoyed it because it got so many gave us so many added scenes and viewpoints from characters that you would not normally get from watching the film and that's what I loved about the second half of this book, too, because it overlapped with episode one. And you got things from characters and viewpoints from characters that you did not get in the film. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple things that really stood out to me was Maul. Yeah. I really loved that one like part of the chapter where Maul gets to the Naboo Palace and is walking around the corridors... When they said, okay, here's your quarters. And he's like, no, I'm going to walk around. He knew a battle was coming and he was outlining his plan for that battle where he wanted the Jedi and him to fight. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where the fight went. He is smarter than we think.
0: He's not just
1: a a lightsaber.
0: Yeah, he led them there. And he knew that he wanted a physical battle. I also really liked in the mall chapters that we got how he was talking about being found on Dathomir by Sidious and how he had been so angry at the Jedi for passing yes. for uh, he, I think he took it as being passed over. So whether or not they just didn't sense him because Dathomir's got so much crazy crap going on or if they intentionally were like, nah, he's a bucket full of crazy. We don't want him. I don't
2: know. <laughs> I I was thinking about that too, because if if you is I'm so bad with like the Star Wars map and what's like Outer Rim and like where everything is. Like obviously Tatooine is Outer. Dathomir also, right? Out, outer. That can't be like inner. Yeah, core. I don't think that's like part that's of like the inner outer. core
1: or anything. But I, I don't I don't know for sure. I don't have a map near me, but I'm assuming it would be Outer Rim, or you know, definitely not inner core.
2: Because I was just thinking, like, you know, uh, Qui-Gon tells Anakin and and Shmi, he's like, oh, if if you had been, you know, on an inner core planet, you would have been found right away. So I wonder if it was just kind of like that kind of a thing that most Jedi come from, like, the inner rim. Like, that's, like, as far as, like, the Jedi, like, reach out. They don't go too much into the outer planet, so. Mm. But I like that his... Anger kind of, I, I kind of read that scene a little different where he's, you know, leading them to, you know, where they ultimately fight for Duel of the Fates. Like, he could have went out and, and met them in the forest and, and had a confrontation there. And I don't know if that was kind of like his, like, I almost saw it as arrogance to be like, now, nah, like, this is like a big, cool place. I'll fight him over here. Like I, like, I don't know if it was, like, strategic or if it was, or if he just wanted, like, a cool space to fight.
1: It, to me, it seemed more strategic. Because he's yeah. like, if we go in here, I can separate him up here. And then, you know, like, because of the, the doors, okay. we're closing. And yeah. he's like, I'll bring him in here because it's going to be two against one. And if we're on catwalks, then there's less space for them to, like, move so, around me. Um... And stuff, like, it seemed like, it seemed like he was, like, planning was out everything.
2: Yeah. He was setting up I the match. I know how that ended for him. Yeah. <laughs> he was a little bit shorter after that. That's fine.
1: But then he <laughs> became taller. He got mechanical legs.
0: He was half the man he thought he was. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go. Damn jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, God.
1: (laughs) All right, well, let's talk about some other stuff in episode one besides Maul that uh, this book really kind of flushed out a little bit. Um, I really liked the the word toll, and that whole chapter that they had, you know, where we get that message that Sache actually tells uh, Sio Bibble, Governor Bibble, to use the exact word, you know, the death toll is catastrophic that's exactly the phrase that he says in the message Mm -hmm. to the queen and you know it sends so much information to everybody using that alert word is and even obi-wan's reaction too he's like it's a trick send no transmission send no reply and after he leaves they are all like duh idiot like (laughs) i
2: loved that part i loved their reaction to him like does he think we're stupid (laughs) we get it (laughs)
1: Yeah, but... but... I
2: also love their, like, acknowledgement that, like, you know, he he's just kind of annoyed with them because he knows they're hiding something from them. And, like, Padme's even acknowledgement that she knows that Qui-Gon knows, knows that she's Amidala. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I really like the um, insight we got into how Padme felt about Qui-Gon. So that was nice, because Qui-Gon's one of my faves.
1: Yeah. The scene where Padme and everyone are at Shmi and Anakin's house mm-hmm. and Padme couldn't sleep because Shmi gave her her rock-hard bed. But when Padme <laughs> yeah. got up and they had that conversation, and I Shmi is one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters. And this chapter with Shmi just made me feel like I like her character even more. Willing to, as a slave, give up your bed to you know somebody who needs it is just crazy. You know, like I love, I love that whole interaction between Shmi and Padme.
0: They've just got so much heart.
1: Yeah,
2: I know. It was just such a sweet moment, and then like it makes you kind of relook at that whole scene where Padme and Anakin return to try to save Shmi on Tatooine, and it just like adds a whole another layer layer of like emotion to it because now you have like this whole extra connection that Padme and Shmi like stayed up all night worried about Anakin like I don't know it just it it just makes that scene all the more meaningful you know when Padme's you know comforting Anakin after the loss of his mother that you have that extra The extra time that she spent with her and connected and bonded with her over their own mutual worry for Anakin and his own well-being, it just makes, it adds adds a whole other layer of sadness. Now I'm sad for Padme too.
0: And I think it adds a lot to Queen's shadow um, because going back to Queen's shadow, Padme, even after she gives up the throne and, you know, starts moving more towards government, um on a galactic level as a senator she feels this pull to go and try and find and free shmi and as many slaves on tatooine as she can and she wants to use her own money to try and you know purchase and then free all of these slaves
1: and And she goes
2: back for her mm -hmm.
1: not only is that a testament to padme but i feel like it's a testament to sabe because, I mean, we don't really see too much interaction between Sabe and, like, Anakin. Except for that that that, uh, that thing where Anakin says, like, thanks for saving Padme or something Thank like that. Thank you for protecting her. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think that was really awesome. But yeah. to me, like you said, Amanda, it really kind of goes back to Queen's Shadow. Because we know from Queen's Peril, at least there's a couple sentences where Sabe said that she didn't really like Tatooine. It was, like, windy and sand and dusty and it was (laughs) you know not her place and yet she goes back there because padme has a mission for her even after padme is not queen anymore you know and i think it's a really a testament to sabe kind of overcoming like being being more mature and doing something that she doesn't really want to do for for padme you know
2: selfless Um yeah yeah she knew how much it meant to padme yeah
1: all right. One other thing that I really liked that kind of brought episode one uh, made more made it more, um, I think, enjoyable now, at least especially when I go back and watch it, is we got to look at the prison camps. They they said, take them to camp four, Roger, Roger. You know, you just get sort of like mentions of the prison camps and Panaka saying I brought back as many of them as I could and, you know, things like that. It was cool to see kind of like the tents and and things like that, uh, and get sort of a deeper look on that stuff. We haven't talked about Padme too much, but I feel like Padme, I mean, everything just fits with her character. We get to see her story from becoming elected queen to to where we get her at the end of episode one, and I think I was not expecting to get like almost that entire story, But we did. And what did you guys think of like the the Padme kind of story that we got through Queen's Peril?
0: I loved it. And I loved that we got to see her story and her growth a lot of the time through the eyes of her handmaidens. And it makes her so much more admirable how much they all chose to devote themselves to her because they believed in her and watching her grow into her role as queen um, with them. They all kind of grew into the role of queen together so
2: yeah I really liked it yeah I agree I I I do feel like it was more of like a handmaiden tale than it was a Padme tale for sure but I I totally agree with you Amanda I just I feel like I just loved seeing the construction of Amidala really Mm it's like the the realization that everything about Amidala was all built you know from these girls and I mean I I don't think I really ever thought of Amidala in that way of a of like a character that Padme like set up as who she was going to run as like I honestly don't I wasn't thinking of it of Amidala in that way and as a person that she was like actually created as like an alias to be queen Um, was
0: like a role for them all to step into
2: yes I just love that they they took each other's strengths and and made it work for for each and every one of them, helped and built her into a better queen than she could have just been on her own. It was just a very cool little um, support system of like teen girls running a country. It's it's <laughs> I love it. It's really cool. I love it. And I especially loved the like the the end, like the like getting to. See how, you know, we start the novel with the girl in the white dress. And we're talking about Padme waiting to hear, you know, that she's been uh, elected queen. And then we end with the girl in the white dress, which is Leia giving medals to Luke and Han.
0: Stepping into her role as a rebellion leader in spite of just rib-cracking loss. I mean, I know. not many people could shoulder what she did. And I mean, they acknowledge that. I love that these books go so much more into the internal of what's going on in these moments.
2: And they seamlessly into that, you know... Um epilogue weaved in um aspects of princess of alderaan by claudia gray um moments of of leia's life that was explored in that novel so i just Mm -hmm. thought that was really cool like when this book ended i literally said wow like out loud because it just so seamlessly wove in and out of that time period and Mm -hmm. added so much to it
0: and i feel like it's really a testament to e.k johnston's writing style Mm-hmm. That she's able to create such a complex and rich story with what she was given to go off of. I mean, she made each of these characters complete whole people in their own right and not just background characters.
2: Yeah, like this makes me want like a a show, like a TV show. Like of, a Handmaidens show. Of the Handmaidens, yep.
1: <laughs> There's some really well-known... Actresses as the handmaidens, too. Uh, Sophia Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, because George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola were good friends. Um, and also Kiara Knightley, who's in all of the pirates of the Caribbean. She plays Sabe. So, yeah. definitely some big names um, who have small roles in the films, but it's nice to read about them in more detail yeah. in the book. All right, let's get to some of the comments from some of our uh, readers as well. Um, So I'll start with Connie here. Uh, She said the book in general held her interest more than Queen's Shadow. She said, somehow I don't remember Panaka's wife, Mariek, in episode one, but the way the book was written, it suggests she was there in some of the movie scenes. I don't remember seeing her either. I don't think she's in there, but I think she... Is just in the scenes, like even in the prison camps and stuff that we don't really get to see in the film. Um, Even uh, Typho. Typho, we know he lost his eye in the Battle of Naboo, but uh, we don't really get to see him in episode one. So it's kind of cool to get that little like couple paragraphs about his story as well. Um, she said the small tidbits of background that we received throughout were welcomed and I looked for those like Palpatine's first name. The background on, Ma- on Maul I felt was the biggest news flash and we got the most captivating nuggets of info. She said she wanted to shake Padme and scream, stop trusting Palpatine!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Understandable.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Filling the gaps is helpful and seeing the whole Star Wars story as a whole was great.
0: I've got One from Samantha. She says, Here are my thoughts on Queen's Peril. I loved seeing the backstory of each handmaiden in each little segment that showed a personality trait such as cunning, distraction, and bravery. I also like seeing how they all came together to make the the traditions of being queen and handmaidens of Naboo better than ever. I don't think there was ever a ruling queen and handmaidens quite like them before or after. I also liked seeing some of the normal teenage growing up scenes and especially loved them sneaking out to the concert. I liked the tie-ins to episode one with off-camera scenes of those left behind on Naboo and the backstory lines in the movie such as the death toll is catastrophic. I would have liked to have seen Padme's thoughts as she called for a vote of no confidence as it is such a key scene but I understand why E.K. mostly left out scenes that were in the movie as it was not a novelization of the movie. Overall, another fantastic book by E.K. Johnston with a nice little tie into Princess Leia by Claudia Gray at the end. So, yeah, I mean, I think we that was a great sum up of the book because that's pretty much everything that we've been talking
2: about for
0: this yeah. podcast. She nailed it.
2: And then we have a short comment from Matt Devins. He said his favorite part has been the fact that Yoda intentionally tries to piss off Mace Windu by being humorous. Pure gold. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. I laughed really hard when that part came around.
1: Yoda tells Mace that he senses nothing, which could be something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Love it.
1: Yeah. So obviously, uh, we want to thank all of you who read with us this month for the month of June, Queen's Peril. Uh, Whether you are a part of the book club on Facebook or Twitter, we appreciate each and every single one of you answering discussion questions and following along with the reading. Obviously, this book was um, geared towards younger audiences with a lot of female characters, but I'm a dude. I'm 30 years old, and I enjoyed it, so if you have not read it, I definitely recommend picking it up to learn more about Handmaidens and how everything fits together with episode one. Amanda, we are going into July here, so what's coming up for Book Club in July?
0: We will be doing Shadowfall by Alexander Freed for July, so make sure you're all picking those up from the bookstore.
1: Yeah, and this is the second book in the trilogy. The first one was Alphabet Squadron, so if you guys read that with us a few months back, we are now getting ready for the second one, which I'm very excited about. We got some cool characters in that one, um, and so I can't wait to see what happens in Shadowfall. We also have book club pins. If you guys are interested in picking up some of the book club pins, just message us on any of our social media pages and we'll tell you how to pick those up. And we are also going to be getting our one of our newest members, Christian, involved in the book club podcast as well. So this is going to be, I don't want to say it's my last one because I'm sure I'll come on a bunch more of them, right, mm-hmm. at some point and help out and Talk about some of the Star Wars books. I'm going to continue to read along with the book club as well. Um, but we're going to get some fresh blood in here. Get some, some new faces. Obviously, we've expanded TSO quite a bit over the last month and a half, two months. And so I'm excited to get Christian in and helping out with the book club. He's a great guy, and and uh, I'm sure everyone will love him. Yep.
0: We're super stoked.
1: Yes, <laughs> of course. Jesse... If people want to join the book club and follow along, where can people do that?
2: You can find us on Facebook where we have a open group under TSO Book Club where we post weekly discussion questions and we share those same discussion questions on our Twitter page, all under the same handle, TSO Book Club.
1: Thank you guys so much for joining us for the month of May for Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. We'll see you next month to read through *Shadowfall* by Alexander Freed. Thanks a lot, everyone. And as always, may the Force be with you.
0: Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast
1: Network. May the Force be with you.
0: Master It's controlled by the Hut.
1: i to teach the rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you are not